When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi. Welcome to High Theory. In this podcast, we get high on the substance of theory. I'm Sharonik Boshu. And I'm Kim Adams. We are two tired academics trying to save critique from itself. Today, I am speaking with Sonia Postmentier about hurricanes. Sonia, can I ask you to introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, my name is Sonia Postmentier, and I teach African American literature and culture in the English department at NYU. So, Sonia, tell us what the heck is a hurricane? Well, a hurricane is obviously a meteorological term for storm system in the Atlantic. And in literature and culture, hurricanes can be associated with apocalypse. They can be associated with a kind of equalizing force in terms of how they affect human relationships. They can also sometimes have the opposite a fact I'm thinking about in like Zorniel Hurston's Their Eyes Were Watching God, when the hurricane comes, all of a sudden there's this distinction in the language between the people and the folks, between the classes and races that sort of comes to the fore. And I think we can think of a lot of examples of how hurricanes have worked that way in real life too, to actually exacerbate the separations and inequities. Uh, so that's some of the ways that I think about hurricanes as sort of cultural forces. Cool. So then this seems like a kind of silly question to ask, but how do I use a hurricane? How do you use it or how do I use it? <laughs> how does one use it? Okay. Well, how well, does let one use up. it? Uh, let me let me back up and say a little more then about the first question, and then I'll say a little more. Then I'll say something about that. Okay. I mean, I think awesome. that um, one other key thing for me about hurricanes, specifically mm -hmm. in Black expressive culture, in terms of how hurricanes emerge and the work they do, is that because of the way a hurricane travels, forming off the western coast of Africa, and then moving across the Atlantic and around the Atlantic and up from south to north, it has this enormous resonance in terms of the transatlantic slave trade and the Middle Passage and evokes that rupture and disruption of abducting an entire people and the forced migration across the ocean and then other migrations from south to north in the U.S. So to me, one thing that makes the hurricane especially resonant in Black diasporic literature, and I, I use it, I'm just sort of start to answer that question, as a way of describing diaspora itself. Cool. You know, one of the things that does is draw our attention to the particular role that ecology and ecological experience 
has in Black diasporic experience. The other thing that I would say about like, how do we use a hurricane? How does one use a hurricane is Mm -hmm. in the writers and to some extent musicians and artists that I study, you know, a hurricane importantly also is a form, is a structure, is a shape, is a rhythm, is a language. And very famously, Kamau Brathwaite says, the hurricane does not roar in pentameter. And he says that as a way of describing why Caribbean writers need a different meter and a different language for poetry, what he calls nation language, that departs from standard English practices and forms. We could say that he, Brathwaite, and other Caribbean writers with whom he was thinking and writing, use a hurricane as a way of describing language or poetic form. It seems like it's functioning in a way that is not quite as a metaphor here. Right. That it's somehow more powerful than a metaphor. And like what you were talking about in your work about how the like actual meteorological patterns that hurricanes follow the way they form off the coast of Africa and then travel across the Atlantic mirrors the patterns of the slave trade. Yeah, it's not just yeah. a metaphor. It's yeah. There's a reason for it, right? I right. mean, it's material because it it has to do with the way that the boats could sail. Right, exactly. Right? The same wind that drives a hurricane, right, also drives a boat. And so I, you're absolutely right. It's not just a metaphor. And I think that that's actually really important to thinking about the way that environmental experience shapes human experience. Do you think that the nation language... The idea of the the hurricane does not roar in pentameter is somehow escaping the bounds of metaphor too in that way. Okay, so this is not a direct answer to your question. Okay. But what I've always felt about that assertion on Brathwaite's part. Yeah. Um, I've always been a little skeptical of it. I mean, I okay. always like I was like, well, wait a minute. Like, sure, it could. And <laughs> I mean, we're not gonna literally say that pawns have a way of directly recording environmental experience. I mean, that's not, right? right? There's of course, like it's it's a mediating experience, right? right? Writing and reading a poem. So I've always been a little like annoyed at an overly literally literal approach, I guess, to that metaphor. That okay, okay. But I mean, of course a hurricane doesn't roar in the pentameter but like neither does snowfall in the pentameter, right? Like nothing nothing actually happens exactly right. in the pentameter. So a word that Brathwaite uses elsewhere in that essay, History of the Voice, is approximation. Okay. So I like that way of thinking about the way artistic or formal or aesthetic representations of environmental experience works because, you know, it's always going to be like, at an angle to what we actually can feel with our senses in any given experience. Poetry is always going to be only an approximation of that. I mean, that's kind of how I think about the metrical thing that he's trying to get out there. I mean, in some ways, he's saying there is a particular regional experience, regional environmental experience that Mm -hmm. can't be gotten by this English climate, right? Right. But he's also, I think, always recognizing that poetry can never perfectly capture that experience in any case. And and I would just say too, that like, there's a way to think about this just in terms of generatively, like to think about how this idea of 
trying to approximate the rhythm of a hurricane, trying to get it actually like produces new art forms and circulates art in new ways. An amazing example of that that I write about in my book is the way that like a whole kind of genre of dance hall is precipitated by Hurricane Gilbert in 1988. So I like to think about it not only like interpretively, like does this poem match the rhythm of the hurricane, (laughs) but also sort of generatively that the desire for that form produces a body of work. Yeah, perhaps this is a good point for me to ask my third question, which is how will the hurricane save the world? Oh, no. Um, <laughs> it kind of seems like the hurricane might destroy the world. But I I feel like right. this idea of like a generative body of work from trying to capture the movement of the hurricane offers some, you know, possibilities. I like that answer. You know, I really do. Yeah. I mean, that would probably be my immediate answer is just that well, the hurricane won't, like it won't, it won't save the world, but it will like prompt us to make beautiful things while we're drowning or whatever. I mean, (laughs) um, maybe in a slightly, I won't say a more optimistic note, the environmental critic Rob Nixon published this book in 2011, Slow Violence. Mm -hmm. He talks about the way that environmental and racial violence and the the intersection between them, Mm -hmm. that we have to kind of read slowly to understand the way that environmental violence works and unfolds even talks about the the need or the desire for slower cultural forms because a more crisis or spectacularly oriented art misses the point of certain kinds of underlying destruction and i find that argument very compelling at the same time flooding happens very slowly. Soil erosion happens very slowly. Mm. Sea levels apparently rise very slowly, although lately more quickly. But we feel it fast when like a whole city is destroyed. Yeah. Of course, I'm not saying that's desirable. But I do think that the extremity has its uses. You know, a hurricane is like Donald Trump or something. (laughs) You know, like, I'm not going to say that Donald Trump has saved the world. But I am going to say that like people who maybe had been sleeping on injustice can't, can't sleep on it anymore. And I do think that the intensity and duration of the Atlantic hurricane season mm-hmm. has had the effect of waking people up to the devastating effects of climate change and the disproportionate effects of climate change on already disadvantaged populations globally. Sorry, that's a very somber answer. No, but it's a really good answer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I like the other answer better, that we can generate something beautiful. Yeah, maybe something beautiful that also is a call to action. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you a lot <laughs> for doing this. Thank you. This was really fun. And thank you for listening to High Theory. If you like our podcast, please review and subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, Patreon, or wherever you get your podcast fix. Sharonik Bosu manages our social media presence. Owen Quinn composes our theme music, and Kim Adams and Sharonik Bosu edit our audio. You can also find us at hightheory.net. We hope you have a highly theoretical day.